Hello and welcome to the Pack Mag Parents Podcast, your place to laugh and learn. Everything we do is to make the lives of everyday parents easier. Without further ado, let's welcome our hostess with the mostess, Bree James. Welcome to the Pack Mag Parents Podcast. I'm Bree James, and on today's episode, I have the absolute pleasure and privilege of talking with the one, the only Dr. John Demartini about how to communicate, understand, and set up our Generation Alpha children for the future. Now, Generation Alpha, you're probably wondering what that is. So Generation Alpha is the title given to children born after 2010. So not only does this generation reset the generational alphabet for us, they also hold the potential ability to be the first cohort born entirely in the 21st century, giving them an unmatched step ahead into the future. So today we're going to discuss the unique challenges that parents will face raising these children and the shift that we will need to take to set them up for the future. So let's get him on Zoom all the way from Texas, Dr. John Demartini. It's time to get to class. So we're talking Generation Alpha, uh, which is, you know, our next generation that's coming through, our babies that are being born now. How does it differ to different generations that we've had in the past? Well, I think today they're born with uh, iPhones, robotics, you know, artificial intelligence, electronics, they're possibly born with devices so close to them that they can't imagine themselves being without that, where previous generations, that's not real. So I think that they're technologically expanded in their impact, their outreach, their awareness that give them advantages, but also distractions if they're not used wisely. But we're de- definitely in, a, in an era of technology that allows us to think globalization instead of localization, and soon solarization, even more than globalization. So this next generation will be the people that will finally get to the next planet and get onto, um, you know, habitats in space, these kind of things. So, yeah, they're being born with a, a vaster vision that we would have probably perceived in the generations prior. Progressively, obviously, but, but definitely they're going, to be, they're going to be assuming things that we once imagined, but they're going to assume. It's a bit scary, isn't it? Well, it's, it's probably, every, probably every generation probably perceives that about the next generation. You know, when they had the horse and buggy, when they got the car, that was shocking. There's a video that you can go on online about Mrs. Mercedes, and you can actually see what the people were freaking out seeing a little car go by. So I'm sure that that's probably uh, a similar, but probably a more accentuated distinction generation by generation it's getting faster so it's more of a distinction so it's more to adapt to for the parents and more to take in for the for the youth which which leads me to my next question what challenges do you think parents of generation alpha children are going to have well one is going to be a common um, challenge that every generation i think our parental generation has on the offspring because we grow up in a paradigm, a worldview, and we tend to think that's the way it is, we tend to not consciously impose that and project that assumption onto the next generation. 
and we have to grow from them. So I, I really think it's wise to always, as a parent, to realize that we're not here to teach them any more than they're here to teach us. Level the playing field with equity instead of autocracy, and you'll go a lot farther in the relationship and in the teaching process. The greatest thing we can do, as Einstein said, as a teacher, as a parent, is exemplify the adaptability and resiliency to transcend the distresses that we're facing. The greatest teacher is exemplification. So if we are resistant to the new things of the next generation, we create conflict only because we're not willing to adapt. When we hold on into infatuations the way it was and resentments to the change, we feel the loss of the way it was and we feel the gain of the way it is and we are non-resilient and adaptable to change. And then we confuse the child because they're surrounded by the same age group that is automatically moving forward and adapting them. If we don't, we're creating an internal conflict unnecessarily. So we have to learn from them and the next generation as much as we're teaching them and not assume that it's, they, they don't have their own values, they don't have their own objectives. We're, we're supposed to give it to them, but to, to exchange our knowledge and their knowledge and both grow together. I think that's wiser. Whenever we talk down to somebody, they don't tend to listen. Whenever we talk up to somebody, uh, we'll sacrifice and not, we'll be the ones not listening. But if we have equity and we realize that, the, that they are individuals with values and contributions that are unique and learn from them and respect them like a customer. If you talk down to a customer, you don't make sales. And we're selling ideas to our children. And we have to care enough about them and respect their uniqueness and their value path uh, to articulate what we think is important for them to expand them at the same time, do it in a way that you respect them and articulate in their values. I've been blessed to teach uh, children in, in schools of all different levels. And when you autocratically project down on to kids, they become defiant disorders, attention deficit disorders and labels and end up on medication. But if you actually go in there and care enough about them to find out what they're committed to, what's highest on their values, and what they feel is deeply meaningful and important in their life, and then articulate, uh, see the value of that in your own life, and then articulate what you feel will be helpful to them in the next generation, um, and communicate it in a way where they feel they're getting their values met. They're receptive and open, and they work as a family instead of uh, work as a second generation that you have to teach. So I really think that having leveling the playing field does make a difference. That doesn't mean not be the authority, because you have some wisdom they don't, but they also have knowledge that they're going to reveal to you, and it's wise to not minimize that and honor that, respect that, and communicate effectively in their values. It is really easy as a parent to do that, where we, you know, we do accidentally have that relationship where it is, you know, I'm the parent, you will do what I say. What's your tips and advice to parents when they get into that sort of mode? Because obviously um, it's really easy because that's the way we were parented. One of the greatest questions that I found uh, that builds respect in dialogue instead of alternating monologues where they're talking, you're not listening, they're, you're talking, they're not listening, is to ask, what am I observing objectively about their life that shows that's important in their life? Even a baby in a crib 
if you throw something in the crib to play with, if it's really valuable to the child, it will put it in its mouth, it'll explore it, it'll, it'll, it'll hold it close to itself, it will want to learn about it. So if we look at what the child fills it, the, the child's face space with, look at what it wants to spend time on, learn what it wants to, um, what energizes it, what it wants, if you go and spend money, what does it want to buy? If we look at what's really important to the child, what, where they bring order, where they're disciplined, what they like studying and learning about, exploring, what they're inspired to engage in, if we pay close attention to that and honor that, genius is awakened in children. It's really quite amazing when they're honored for what they're pursuing and not suppressed and then articulate what was import, important in terms of what that is and finding out and asking a question, what is my child really inspired by and how is it teaching me and how is it helping me? Because if you can see how what they're doing is helping you, you'll talk with respect, but if not, you'll talk down. And when you do, you suppress them. And then they, they, you're actually undermining their confidence and their exploration of the universe. And that holds them back instead of it catalyzes them to, to want to tackle things. Children love learning, and they love learning what inspires them. And whenever they're able to pursue that, they spontaneously want to go and explore and tackle challenges and develop the areas of the brain that are creative and innovative and confidence building and expand them. So you don't want to suppress it. You want to honor it by finding out how what they're dedicated to is actually helping you as a parent. My, my son is love video games, as a lot of people do. And when I grew up, I didn't do video games. I had nothing to do with video games. It couldn't even relate to video games. He's got 25,000 followers now. He's building a business around it. He's, he's commercializing it. That's his career path. I wouldn't even imagine that at one time. But that's his career path. My daughter loved couture and, and fashion. She's in fashion designing and also a singer. The other daughter teaches like I do. So we relate to it a lot easier because <laughs> we have similar values. But none of them are wrong. So we have to be aware and adaptable enough to not make our children's values wrong. They're going to change. They're going to evolve over the decades. And so you don't want to make them wrong. You want to honor their exploration of the universe and then keep aligning things to what they value in terms of what you value so you can expand them without suppressing them. Mm -hmm. Amazing things emerge when you do that. I watched Marilyn Wilhelm, who had a school in Houston that started with two-year-olds, and she communicated and found out what they excelled. And she, she found that one loved cars and one loved sports and one loved dancing and one loved music and one loved uh, astronomy. And she got all of them teaching the class and have them all engage in teaching the class in their fields and cross-reference chronologically information. And these kids, by the time they were 13, were already getting on to college. 13, they were on their way to college. And they were way more advanced than the other kids because she never suppressed them. She honored their uniqueness. And everybody has a unique set of priorities and values, even from a young age. And caring enough to communicate in those values like a customer allows them to buy your ideas respectfully. It's really quite amazing watching. And taking the time to master that skill. So how specifically is what they dedicated, they're dedicated to, helping you as a parent fulfill what you're dedicated to? And then ask how is what you're dedicated to help them? The more you answer that question, the more information you'll have to have 
wise dialogues with your children and you'll engage them instead of suppress them. Beautiful piece of advice. So what shift do you think besides that one that parents need to make to raise this generation? Um, because, you know, it does differ to how we were raised as children, as we were just saying. Um, so that suppression obviously is the big thing. So how can we stop doing that suppression? How do we, you know, move it and have those conversations where we aren't suppressing our children? When I was not engaging in video games, we had more challenge, my son and I. So I realized that I was, I decided to go to a Pokemon <laughs> movie when he was young. And I started to see principles that were very advanced principles sitting in the movie that I never would have imagined. And I started investigating it. And when I started to look into his world, the more I looked into his world and the more I engulfed that world, the more we were dialoguing. And I realized, hmm, the next generation's moving things advanced and technologically and moving things as far as information. And we can't expect to live in the past. But the moment I started opening up to his world, he opened up to mine. I found it a direct reflection. And so... As Einstein said, the greatest teacher is exemplification. If you exemplify the willingness to continue to adapt and keep up yourself, you will not only have your children relate to you more, and you'll exemplify how to live. If you live by highest priorities, I've found it that I've been living since my 20s. If you fill your day with high priority actions that are deeply meaningful, most inspiring, most productive, most important in your life and live by priority you train your children indirectly for them to do the same and whenever we live by priority our self-worth goes up and we learn to not live by duty subordinating to conformity of the the peers about us but to have the courage to be unique because every human being wants to make a difference and children want to make a difference i've talked to five-year-olds and they want to make a difference they want to contribute to the planet. So forcing them to fit in, instead of honoring their, their ability to be an unborrowed visionary, you know, li lifting themselves outward, makes it difficult as a parent and makes it suppressive to the child. So exemplifying the adaptability that we're expecting them to have. Don't expect them to have something you're not willing to have. It's not fair for them. Go and, go and honor by keeping current with it and keeping by priority in your life and live and exemplify a more inspired life, and you'll wake up inspiration in those children. You'll do it. I've, I've, I've stuck to my inspirations. All my kids now that they're grown up, they all came back and utilized the exemplification and, the, and watching because they, they have mirror neurons, and they're like chameleons, and they'll watch what you do, not what you just say. It's not what we say. It's what we do. And so the greatest thing we can do is live by priority and live an inspired and fulfilling life and not let the external world run our life, but let our own dreams direct us. And that gives them permission to go and be interdirected and not just suppressed. Uh, living by design, not duty. There's a big difference. Because otherwise, our whole schooling system many times is made for drones. It's made for people to just be average people working for other people. But the, the question is, is that how you want your child to end up? Or do you want your child to wake up their, their capacities and do something more extraordinary? 
that inspire you watching them. When I see my daughter just create a new song that's getting working on an album and watching her perform it, I'm inspired. And, and she gave herself permission to stand up at age three in front of a large audience and sing. And I know that that's because she was been trained by to gain the confidence in herself and not, no, 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 no. Our whole system is based on right and wrong and black and white instead of creativity. So live an inspired, adaptable, prioritized life as a parent and honor and respect them with equity. And you will watch the difference in your children. I've watched it. I've trained it. I've seen impact. It's very powerful. I love that. What skills do you think as parents that we need to be thinking about? Because obviously, you know, I love that you, uh, you know, started investigating the video games and things like that. Um, but what skills do you believe we need to teach our children? Because, you know, we are all worried. I know I am as a parent that, you know, they're just going to play video games and it's going to be in their room. They've got to have any people skills. So what other skills are they going to need to have this generation that, you know, us parents need to be making sure that we're instilling in them? You Beware of highly polarized, fundamental, black and white rigidities of thinking. And, and instead of labeling things, this is good and bad, and project your values onto them and expect them to live in your values, which is guaranteed to lead to defeat. Nobody can live in your values. They live in their own. Every decision they make is based on what they believe is going to give them the greatest advantage or disadvantage at that moment. So watch out for the highly polarized black and white thinking because what that does is it boxes the children's creativity in. And, and teach the child this question. I've, th this question has been a goldmine. How did whatever you experienced today, regardless of what it was, how is it helping you fulfill what's deeply meaningful to you? Wow. How is it on the way, not in the way? How is the criticism by the guy down the street, you labeled the bully. How is that helping you grow? How are you going to use that in your life? How is that, what would it make you think and how can you use that to your advantage? If you ask questions, the quality of your life is basically quite the questions you ask. If you ask questions that lead to expansion and lead to uh, the fulfillment of what's meaningful, you'll train them on how to take whatever happens and have amazing resiliency. We, we want to be victims of our history instead of masters of our destiny. And we don't do that by, you know, getting caught in a box about how it's supposed to be. We do it by honoring the way it is. Because anytime depression is a comparison of your current reality to a fantasy about how it's supposed to be. The way it is is the way it is. Now, the question is, is how can you take this grounded reality of how it is and use it to your greatest advantage? Children in months old, they're already creative. Three months old, four months old, they're already learning scientific things. They're already doing things. It's, we used to think there was a blank slate in these children. Not so. We've already got inside the womb creativity going on, learning. They're already picking up languages. They're doing things. By the time they're three and four and five months and six months old, they're already doing scientific discoveries and exploring things. We want to honor that and encourage that. When I was four years old, I was fascinated by the moon. And I used to sneak out of the house, push the little uh, the screen out, go outside onto the patio, walk down the street, the house down, 
just close enough to the light out on the street to be able to see, to draw, but just far enough away to be able to see the asterisms of the moon, the positioning of the moon. And I looked up an almanac to see what time I could go out at night to see the moon. And I drew the moon and all the asterisms day by day for the 28 days, unless it was cloudy that day or, or rainy. I didn't do it. And my parents never stopped me. And it would be midnight. And they would sit in the living room and they would watch just to keep an eye on me. But it never stopped me. And my room got filled with pictures of the moon and all the stars. And they encouraged me to do it. So then they found, because I was interested in astronomy, and I saw Sputnik fly across the sky one night when I was three, my dad pointed it out. They bought me a book on astronomy, and I used to just look at it. I've written about eight books on astronomy in my life. So they didn't suppress it. You need to be in your room, shut, shut down. They, they, they watched what I was exploring and what I was fascinated by, and then they kept feeding that. And then as that changed, because it changes as you go through life, it tweaks. And they kept feeding that. I'm very grateful for that. They, they, they didn't, I didn't grow up with the idea that, that, no, that's not possible, or you can't do that. No, that's not wrong. Other people's opinions are what's more important. And live. Albert Einstein said that my contempt for authority is what made me one. And, and Ralph Waldo Emerson said, envy is ignorance and imitation is suicide. Allowing the, 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 that creativity inside the child to be allowed and, and, and honored is huge. Because the child then begins to believe, I, I can trust myself, I can believe in my own thinking. Maybe it's not, in, maybe it's air, doesn't matter. When you're doing quantum physics today, there are a thousand theories at the very farthest frontiers of quantum physics. We don't know the answers to it. But the people that are creative are helping us move forward. And, and the children have that capacity in, from a young age. And we sometimes think, in the 1950s, we used to think they're blank slates and we got to train them on everything. That is completely antiquated. The reality is that they're born with amazing capacities and our job is to wake up and recognize their genius. When Marion Wilhelm was teaching her kids, she started with one premise, the Pygmalion effect. They are geniuses already. I'm now going to help uncover their genius and discover their genius. That's what they, she started from. Huge difference. Huge difference. Absolutely. So I guess that's the thing, is that parents of this generation, if you could say one thing to them, what would it be? Discover what inspires the child. Find out how it serves you. Ask them questions more than tell them how to be. Let them discover what they already know. As Plato says, all learning is recollection. You're recollecting what they already know many times. Their intuitions, knowing things that we didn't have, you know they know. And give them perceptions. And if they ask questions, don't rescue them. Teach them how to go and look it up. Teach them how to go into, into, into the dictionary or Google. And let them go explore the universe. Give them accountability and responsibilities. But don't do it because of you, you should, you ought to, you're supposed to. Don't use imperatives, which are moral injunctions without explanations. But give them an, a deep understanding, and they will understand it. Don't underestimate their capacity to understand. They will understand if you give them a, a logical reason why they need to contribute to the chores, they need to clean their room. Do it in a way where it helps them, not because they'll be punished if they don't and rewarded if they do, but explain to them how it's going to help them get what they want in life how it will help them get their dreams by mastering these skills. 
do that and you'd be surprised what, what, what happens. Perfect um, question, uh, perfect answer to leave our show today. Thank you so, so much uh, for your amazing insights. That was wonderful. Raising Generation Alpha, it's definitely a roller coaster for many of us parents. We're getting there. Alpha is the leaders. They're the leaders of the future. It's a wrap. What did we learn on today's show? All right, so what were the top three things that we learned today? There were so many, but here are my top three. Uh, Dr. Demartini said, it's wise for us as parents to realize that we aren't here to teach this generation alpha, but they are here to teach us. So we need to remember that they are unique individuals with different ideas from which we can learn from too. Number two was when we connect with our children on an intellectual level and show them that we care and are interested in what they are committed to and what their values are, uh, and what is most important to them in their life, we can articulate these ideas to help them in their future. So we've got to work with them as a family and not as a second generation you have to teach. Now, this doesn't mean for you to not to be the authority, but it just means that we have to respect our child and you know that they're growing up in a very different life than we did as children. And number three, we've got to find out what inspires our children. What are they interested in? What do they enjoy doing? What do they enjoy studying? By honoring their interests, a genius can be born. So, I mean, I'm not going to let my child, four-year-old, uh, go out and look at the stars like Dr. Martini's uh, parents did. Different world again. Um, but, you know, we've got to think about it and ask ourselves, what is it that my child is inspired by? And how is it teaching me and helping me? Because once you find out how this interest is helping you, you'll begin to talk with respect and understand why your child may be interested in something. And it'll help you not talk down to your child, which holds them back from reaching their full potential. We've got to be right on board. Well, that's the end of our show. A huge thank you to Dr. D. Martini. It was so wonderful to have him on the show today. Dream come true for me. We will have another episode with him, so stay tuned for that one. Uh, but if you've loved this episode, please share it. So make sure you subscribe to our podcast channel. Uh, and a big thank you to everyone who's made the show possible. Until next time, happy parenting. And don't forget to tell everyone you heard it on PacMag. Thanks for listening to today's show. If you want to be an expert guest or you've got a weird, wacky or wonderful product to share, don't be shy. Get in contact with our team at info at This podcast is proudly produced by PacMag. You can listen to more episodes on our website, pacmag.com.au.